0: Good day to you, Mechanicsville Church family. It's always a joy to deliver the word to you, particularly this time of the year when we're thinking of Easter, and certainly things are different than they've ever been in any of our lifetimes as we come together. I would encourage you to continue praying. I would encourage you to continue reaching out to one another through the telephone, checking on one another. Uh, It has been a wonderful opportunity to uh, speak with people that you may not have spoken to in a long time. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. The prayer guide that we went over on uh, Wednesday night, I will make available to you at the Easter service Sunday so that you can take that home and use that uh, to guide your prayer as well. And verses have been added to the various sections. But again, it is a joy to be together, even though we're together in the way that we are separately. Our scripture lesson this morning... For our Easter service is Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. In the late 1980s, Ted Koppel asked Bishop Desmond Tutu on Nightline, the nightly news program, if the situation in South Africa with its apartheid or racial segregation was hopeless. Tutu replied, of course it is hopeless from a human point of view, but we believe in the resurrection, and so we are prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope, indeed, an arresting image. We do not desperately clutch at hope. In the resurrection, we have been taken captive by the hope that will never release us, but will liberate us from all hopelessness. And particularly in this day and time, this is a word for all of us. The resurrection gives to us hope, even in the midst of hopelessness. On a glorious Lord's Day morning nearly 2,000 years ago, a group of faithful women visited a tomb that held, as they believed, the cold and breathless body of their beloved leader and teacher. They went to the tomb that morning in the same frame of mind with which we go to cemeteries to lay our own dear loved ones to rest. Their hearts were full and heavy. How exceedingly difficult it was for them to reconcile themselves to the fact that they had been separated from Jesus, the divine Lord. When they reached the sepulcher, their discovery greatly disturbed them. They saw that the stone had been rolled away from the opening to the tomb, and they hastily concluded that the body had been removed, impelled by grief, they stood within the rock-hewn burial place to behold a vision of angels who were clothed with dazzling garments. In the Gospel of Matthew, it seems that the stone was not rolled away by the angel until the approach of the women. So understood, the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, but to let the women in. The detail that the angel sat upon the stone is probably added as a note of triumph. The fear of those guarding the tomb is a further reflection of the awesomeness of this event. And they stood there in their sorrow. A voice spoke to them and said, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. The proclamation of the angel to the women catches up two important elements in early Christian faith. The empty tomb and the resurrection. He is not here for he is risen. It was an important factor to friend and foe, despite the modern tendencies to obscure the point. The women were invited to see the place where Jesus had lain, but the real persuasion that Jesus was risen came only with his appearance to his followers. The resurrection still speaks today. What does it have to say to modern day disciples? What does it have to say to people who have lost their way? What does it have to say to us in this age of coronavirus? First, the resurrection speaks of a living Lord. It was not Christ's death that proved his mission or his messiahship. Had our Lord remained in the grave and returned to dust, our darkness would be as deep as that which reigned for three hours after the crucifixion. There would be no hope for deliverance from sin and death, but death could not hold him. His resurrection was his triumph. It was proof of all he claimed to be, the token that his work was accepted by the Father. There is no record in history more firmly established by the word of trustworthy witnesses than these facts. That Christ died, was buried, and arose from the dead on the third day. Men and women of unimpeachable character have borne witness, and they saw him, knew him, ate with him, and talked with him as he moved among them in his resurrection body. Luke, the beloved physician, says, He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. No fact in history is more certain than this. Christ lives As the women ran in fear and great joy, Jesus himself met them. It was Jesus who met them. The name employed being that of the one whom they had known in the flesh. Jesus and the risen Lord were one and the same to Matthew and to the other New Testament writers. The resurrection is not just something that happened to the faith of the disciples. It was something that happened first to Jesus. Second, the resurrection validates Christianity. It would be difficult to account for the life of Jesus Christ if we found the record in any other book than the New Testament. But Christianity has grown out of the soil of the historical past. Its mystical revelation evades human invention. Christ's whole life was attended by the miraculous. The disciples did not believe that they would ever see Jesus again. They believed that he was dead, but their minds and spirits experienced a great change during the three days that his body lay in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Now the disciples believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Their faith in the reality of our Lord's victory over death is to us of greater significance than any other form of evidence. To say that they spent their lives enduring hardships, suffering privation, and even death just to support an exquisite fable would be an insult to human intelligence. The foundation of the Christian movement is Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen in glorious power. 1 Corinthians 15:21 and 22 teaches us, "For since by man death came, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive." Third, the resurrection guarantees the redemption of the soul. The argument of the Apostle Paul is this. If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. For if Christ is not risen, then the chief cornerstone is taken out of the Christian system and the hopes that men have built upon Jesus crumble to the ground. The faith is in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Fourth, the resurrection is the foundation for the hope of life beyond the grave. Our Lord's resurrection is the promise of other resurrections. It is upon this truth that the doctrine of the future life is established. It proclaims with finality that life here and life beyond the grave is one and continuous. It is unbroken by death. The same Jesus who was taken from the disciples by death was given back to them in the resurrection. The women took hold of Jesus' feet and worshipped him. Before them was one in a body which they could touch, but they recognized him as one to be worshipped, that which is due God alone. The crowning events of the resurrection narrative are the appearances of the risen Jesus, first to all the women and then to his disciples, the eleven. The empty tomb, for all of its impressiveness and importance, is not sufficient evidence in itself for the resurrection of Jesus. What alone can be decisive is reliable eyewitness testimony that Jesus has been raised from the dead. The women, the two Marys, are not only given the first responsibility to convey the message that Jesus has risen from the dead, but are also given the privilege of being the first to see the risen Jesus himself. They worshipped him not so much because he had come back to life, but because his resurrection vindicates all that he had said and done during his ministry. And now it must have become exceedingly clear that this was not a special man among fellow humans, but the unique manifestation of God's grace and wisdom, who now reflected the new order of life in a new covenant with God. When our loved ones die and pass into that silent land, What hope do we have that we shall see them again? None but the words of the risen Christ who said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. The voice of the Holy Spirit still speaks to the followers of the living Lord. Go quickly and tell that he is risen from the dead. The foundation of the message we proclaim to a world that has lost its way is found in the assurance that we worship and serve a risen, living Savior. Like the early Christians who went everywhere preaching that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, so should our witness be today. Again and again, our hearts need to be reminded that the resurrection is the only assurance of eternal life. Like all mysteries encompassed in the supernatural power of God, we may not understand them, but we can embrace them for our comfort and peace and by our faith. No greater joy can come to the heart of a Christian than that sacred moment when an unbeliever confesses his or her faith in the saving power of the risen living Lord. No greater challenge can inspire the spirit of a believer than the opportunity to share in the hope of the Christian gospel. To hear the response to God's invitation, Lord, I believe, is still the reason why we never fail to offer to lost people the assurance of salvation in the name of the living Christ. Thomas Ewan was a devoted follower of a pagan Chinese faith. His attendance at Christian services revealed that he was not satisfied in the religious faith that he had embraced since he was a child. For several weeks, he found his way to a fellowship of Christian believers where he heard the message of a faithful pastor as he proclaimed the redeeming, saving power of Christ in making people whole. One Lord's Day morning, Ewan's heart responded to the Spirit's invitation to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. It was a glorious moment as he confessed before the people in broken English, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Some weeks later, following his baptism, Thomas Ewan underwent open-heart surgery. Again, the pastor found real joy in ministering to his spiritual need in these critical days. Each time the pastor prepared to leave Ewan's bedside, Ewan never failed to request prayer and give his testimony, I believe in Jesus. One evening, an attending nurse called the pastor to inform him of Thomas Ewan's critical condition. Within minutes, the pastor was at the hospital to hear the words of this man as he said, Tonight, I think I go see Jesus. And this he did in the hope and confidence that the Christ he had trusted would greet him at the portals of his heavenly home. This same Jesus can be your hope of eternal life. Accept him and trust him today. In 100 Meditations of Hope, Wayne A. Lamb writes, In the midst of a storm, a little bird was clinging to the limb of a tree. Seemingly calm and unafraid, as the wind tore at the limbs of the tree, the bird continued to look the storm in the face as if to say, Shake me off, I still have wings. Because of Christ's resurrection, each Christian can look the experience of death in the face and confidently say, Shake me off, I still have wings, I'll live anyway. Shall we pray? Gracious and eternal God, we are thankful for the power of your word and for the power of the resurrection and for the hope that it brings to each of us. We're thankful, Father, that we can celebrate in a special way on this day the resurrected Lord. Help us, Father, to be as eager to go and to tell as the women at the tomb were. Help us, Father, to reach out with the good news of salvation. Bless us, Father, as we continue through these difficult days. Allow us to feel the power of the resurrection and the hope it instills. Now and forevermore, in the name of Jesus, amen.